They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. 606,060 litres of diesel. 22,222 slabs of beer. 66,666 lures. I said, mate, a million bucks is not to be trifled with. Sign the TFTPPA. And he goes, no, man, I'll be right. <laughs> but you bloody know what happened next, don't you? Smith. Uh-oh. What's going on? More. Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, quick, hurry up. Drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Fishos and welcome aboard the tinny on a week where you should be listening to what that bloke just said. There's cash plenty in these top end waters. Cash a plenty! Mm, there There's is. cash to be had for anyone who wants to have a crack. Now we're here on the tinny. We like to think of ourselves as facilitators of peace, harmony, and collegiality. We'd much rather have prosperity shared than push and shove. Now, there's nothing worse than a falling out amongst mates over loot. And in this instance, it can even get to the drastic stage of lawyers at 12 paces. Now, this is not, this is not collegiality. This is not peace and harmony. This is not shared prosperity. This is not the aim of the tinny. So we implore you, fishers, in this season of cash your plenty to be plundered from the waters of the top end. We plead with you. Avail yourself of the services of the TFT Chambers, Attack Dogs at Law, Piscatorial Prenuptial Agreement, and avoid the lawyers, avoid all the tears, avoid mm. the push and shove. Timothy, am I right? Am I right? You're dead right. And that bloke earlier at the pub, he was dead right too. Yeah. you got to get a TTF, TFT, PPA. <laughs> I, right thought up, we, I thought yeah. we brainstormed into something else for a yeah. second. <laughs> get it up, yeah. It's available now for download at ABC Tales and the Tinny online, but also on Facebook. You can just right-click and save that JPEG or go to the Tinny website and save the PDF print it, whack 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 under the under the console or in the gunnels and get the deckies to sign up. It's a must. And a couple of pens, Tim. You know, not one, because you know one's always going to be buggered. At Cup- least two or three, I'd the- be saying. It's critical. A couple of backup pens, eh, Rob? Mm. All the tackle shops around town, I've got them now. There is some T and C's to the TFT PPA. Wow. Uh, that references that signatories agree to hand over a certain percentage to uh, the registered agents in this undertaking, which is Rob Smith and Tim Moore. <laughs> Trading we, as yeah. TFT Chambers attack dogs. <laughs> <at> <laughs> <all>. Attack dogs. <laughs> 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 
We'll take any gratuity. We, we started off at 25%, as, the, as you can see in the TFT, PPAT and Cs. Uh, but the ABC Legal got involved. And so we've wound it back and just we just believe as a moral obligation for the provision of these legal services from the TFT, attack dogs at... At <laughs> <laughs> the very least, you know, morally, that you could provide is some baked goods. And by baked goods, that can just be one pie each. You know, you win a million bucks. What's a... I'll have steak and kidney. We'd, that'll do, but we would call you a tight ass. No, no. One pie each. Steak. Come on, couple All of right. pie and a sausage roll, All right. surely. I'd go a steak and kidney pie and one of those little Kransky dogs. You know, we get from the bakery yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. Rob, with the dog and the uh, and, and the mustard and the sauce and a little and bit of pastry. Bacon and onion quiche. Look, even if you're only getting a 10 grand fish, that's still red hot. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, too, it's not only the TFT PPA that you've got to be aware of. Available now for download, print it. Sign it. It's at all good tackle stores too. So if you go to a tackle store, your favourite tackle store, or just some random tackle store and it's not on the front counter, you bloody well ask them why. Where the hell is your TFT PPR? I need to ride the, read the TNCs. <laughs> Tell them to get onto us. We've got heaps. We'll put them, put them on the counter. But the other one is, of course, the fact that... I mean, this is just unbelievable, Fishos. For us, for the Church of the Tinny, we have 15k worth of barramundi that we're going to put in the water for you to catch. So another one we've got to work through on the tinny this week, Robert, and find out how the hell we're going to bloody well do that. Yep, straight on the sandbar. Bugger this. Stripped off all my clothes. And suddenly it took a big gasp. A dry reaching just from thirst. Everyone was starting to get a bit peeved with the whole deal. Live to um, fish again. Tales from the tinny. So you will have heard uh, last week, obviously, that MDF Season 4 is underway. And this year, for the first time, that includes 25 grand charity tags. It'll be two and a half grand for you, the angler, if you catch one. They're pink, pinky purpley. So you'll know as soon as you see the fish, if it's not red, it's going to be a five grand charity one. Uh, two and a half grand to you and two and a half grand to a nominated charity. There are three territory charities to choose from. Now, we've got three of these, 15,000 bucks worth to give you, essentially. How much, Tim? 15,000 bucks. 15 big ones. But a number of matters we probably need to work through, Rob. Mm. Uh, before we do that, here's just a quick recap from the chat last week to Hado and Brad about this charity tag plan, uh, if you'd missed it. 20-plus purple tags in the water in very easy, gettable, well-fished populated areas and if you catch one of those fish two and a half thousand dollars to yourself and then you're going to pick out of one of the three charities uh you're going to donate two and a half thousand dollars to an nt charity can we have one i've got three purple tags here that you can do with whatever you like you're going to know where they are and you can tell them three charity tags we've got robert a total of 15 grand I'm concerned, though, Tim. What concerns you? What your concerns mo- you? Your moral character, to be honest. What I to like take them? Yeah. I don't Are you know kidding that... me? Surely this is something we can do not only for territory charities but for the Church of the Tinny. I understand. We that. can put our punters onto cash, cold hard cash. I can, I can understand that, but I, I, having known you for many a moon, um, I don't quite know how to say this, Tim. I don't think you have the moral character. To be able to withstand the temptation. Oh, you, yeah. You heard me and what I was saying to the boys there. 
I, it is difficult to resist not just catching those fish myself. I take it. I think here, we I here think... are the tags, by the way. See, right. little purple. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. MDF, nice, a very nice purple. MDF CT for million dollar fish charity tag with a little number on them. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting? I think you're right, actually, because I'm not sure that I'd trust you with these. Because you've known me for quite a while, yeah. and uh, without being rude, you doubt my moral courage. Right. I, th- I think we need to. Who do we trust? Who who don't we trust in the Church of the Tinny? Well, we don't qu- trust quite a few, but there's a few yeah. we do we can trust. So without you're suggesting we outsource. I, I am. We I give am. these tags to some trustworthy third parties, some long-term members of the church. Mm-hmm. Who are those people? Well, Warren DeWitt's got a rank. He does, but he's away. He's can Ro- drafting he's for a few. And riding. Oh, what about, well, if we if we're talking, if not Warren DeWitt, who's always the super sub in that part of the world? Oh, the the other two vying for mayor. The the other two are mayoral candidates who have shown <laughs> their colours by the valiant displays at the last Catherine races. Mal Roney, yeah, he got kicked out of the Catherine races, ejected after crash tackling everyone, then vomited in a mate's car, got out of that car uh, on the ride home, and just bolted. See, that's the moral character we're looking for. That is honourable and worthy behaviour, and we trust a man like that uh, (laughs) with 15 grand. But just in case, we better put Harry on the job with him. All right, Mal Roney, Harry Renfrey, can you take care of one tag and put it somewhere in the Catherine region? Mm. Um, Surely the fourth estate of Tales from the Tinny, Packy Andy. Oh, the super sub. He deserves a run. He is He'll of, keep his mouth shut. He is. He is of eminent character and comes from a security background. He, he's a bloke who knows how to carry yeah. a secret. He'll keep his And what about um, what about Rock? Rocky Edwards? Oh, the, the, the queen of the comps. She knows how to keep a secret. Yeah, she'll keep her mouth shut. She is a, a fine moral upstanding character. Yeah, yeah, she'll she get won't it done. take long. That's no. Okay, that's it. That's done. So, the Tinny Church distribution. We've got Mal and Harry... Rocky Edwards, and who was that? And, of course, super sub Packy Packy Andy. Andy. Now, now over the course of Million Dollar Fish, it's our aim to get you to catch these. So we will start with perhaps, Rob, just some ambiguous clues. And if they're not caught near the end of the comp, we might have to move all the way to GPS marks. (laughs) I want these to... It's not our money. Let's get these caught. Tales from the tinny. Get a muddled up your brass. Acting Deputy Commissioner Mike Murphy of the fine boys in dark blue of the Northern Territory is a fisher who we speak to quite often, but at the moment is having a bit of a rough trot health-wise. He's been slamming down antibiotics, he's been gritting his teeth, he's been chewing on bits of wood. But to overcome, even uh, through all that pain and suffering and consternation he is still doing the business for the northern territory constabulary and is actually in a state over in cairns well with a little bit of a limp still i believe mate how are you mike yeah very well thank you yeah i do still have a bit of a limp and it's still pretty sore i was i had a nice day on the water with the family out at the variety uh, cricket match at mm. the sandbar uh, pushed back into diner beach on a uh, incoming tide I had to get in there early because we had another function to go to so I was about 2.2 metres and couldn't get the boat into the ramp, so I gave the helm to the little fella and uh, jumped out of the boat and thought I'd have an uh, uneventful walk into the ramp. And uh, next thing, something's hit my leg. I didn't know what the hell it was. I didn't know if it was a crab, a shark or whatever. Then I uh, had a look at my leg and there was a nice hole in it, um, pushing out lots of blood. 
So I jumped up on the uh, pontoon and left a bit of claret there and a couple of nice fishos helped me out with a bandage and a pad and uh, I was limping around like a fool for a while at the end of the pontoon. And uh, I was talking to my wife a bit later, she didn't know what had happened to me. She just uh, saw me jumping around at the end of the pontoon, had no idea. Thought my hip must have been dislocated. It hurt like hell. Yeah, and what have been the repercussions since then? Because it's been a long recovery, Mike, and, and you're still on the road. It was amazing how much it hurt. It probably didn't, the pain didn't subside till about one in the morning. It was the, uh, like a, my leg was in a vice and just the cramps were just amazing. I started to get the shakes, started to break out in a sweat, felt like I wanted to vomit. I got my wife to Google stingray barbs. It said rarely fatal, and I thought, oh, yeah, I don't want you part of that rarely. So <laughs> yeah, off to yeah. A&E we went. <laughs> you don't want to be running the odds on rarely. No, absolutely not, mate. So, yeah, we went up to the hospital. Um, it was going all right for a couple of days. It started to get really red and swollen. Went back to A&E on Monday. Basically said, can you please admit me and hook me up to an IV um, so I can get this stuff addressed? Because I was mindful that the Blue Water Classic was coming up too, so I had to get ready for that and make sure I was in prime shape. And uh, they did the home, uh, home health stuff for me. Had three days on an IV. Whoa. That didn't do anything. I'm on my fourth round of antibiotics now. I'm taking nine tablets a day. Far out. Uh, and thankfully that's working. So the swelling's gone down, the redness has retreated. I've still got a nice hole in my leg and it's a lasting memory of the stingray in Darwin waters. I've learnt the lesson. Mm. Make sure there's water at the ramp in future. I had the double pluggers in hand, but I don't think they would have helped me. You know, we know you're an acting deputy commissioner and everything, and that's, that's all great. We run some pretty serious intel here at the Tinny too, and a number of relevant lines of inquiry in this matter have come to us some, from some nameless sources at the upper echelons at police. <laughs> Go ahead. It is true that you were actually the first and only man in Territory history to get stuck marooned on a low tide while retrieving your boat at Diner Beach. That is a fact on the record now, correct? And proud of it. <laughs> It has been reported to us that you've studied medicine, are in fact a qualified trauma surgeon, and took it upon yourself to advise the Territory's best and brightest medical clinicians how to treat your injuries. Get out of my way, you amateur. Give That's me that what equipment. we've been told. Is that true? Oh, look, I probably was a bit demanding trying to get hooked up to an IV, but the service I got from health and the doctors was really good, really nice. Uh, did you get to the function that was the imperative that got you into the, the mudflats in the first place? Sadly not. So, and, uh, and worse still, the people whose... It was the uh, hockey club presentation night thought that I was making it up so I didn't have to go. As do a number of your colleagues suspect just the same, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be fit and well for the Bluefish Classic? Absolutely, mate. I'm back to A1, ready to rock and roll. I'm doing the decky from hell with my young boys on board, so I'm looking forward to it. Over the last couple of years, we started off with a couple of boats, a couple of adults, a couple of kids... Last year we had seven boats, about eight adults and 15 kids. So it's been uh, getting bigger each year. We'll have another crew out there at Dundee, um, just enjoying the environs of Dundee. I'll be making sure I stay on the boat all the way to the ramp this time. Yeah, good if man. If not the trailer. <laughs> yeah. If not the trailer, mate. But, but I did say too, and uh, my kids love it, but my wife doesn't. At Diner Beach, when I was suffering, I was really disappointed because I didn't have... I had 50-plus uh, sunscreen on but it didn't protect me from the harmful rays. Boom, boom! Oh, boom, boom! <laughs> good on you, Mike. Thanks for on sharing... On that note... <laughs> thanks for sharing the painful story. And good to hear that you're recovering at last, man. That's phenomenal. Good work. Thanks, boys. See ya. Bye-bye. Tales from the Tinny. So since that chat, 
Mike's come back to us. The nurse has now told him that his initial notes reflected that the injury was from a stingray burn from cooking it on the barbie. <laughs> how the hell is that I had a bit of a think about it, but I reckon there's probably only two ways that could have happened. One is that nurse has English as a second language uh, when, when he told the story, when he was admitted to RDH emergency. But mm. much more likely, I think, Mike Murphy was just talking in tongues. <laughs> we died. I don't know. Oh, anyway. Of course, the boo fish cassock, <laughs> as I just referred to it too there, by the way, is in fact the Darwin Trailer Boat Club Blue Water Classic, which is on this weekend. And uh, look, while you're speaking of that, Tim, let's go straight to the source. Yeah, go to Roberts. Uh, Jeff here from Wallagi. Jeff from Wallagi, mild-mannered bank manager during the week, but on the weekend, like many of us, has an alter ego of super fisho, Jeff. Is this right? Oh, I try, mate, but I'm uh, not sure about putting the cape and the, all that on. <laughs> and another hat you do have, or a cape possibly, is uh, you're on the committee with the Trailer Boat Club and organising the Blue Water Classic, which is on this coming weekend. Yeah, we're right into it, Rob. So uh, last night, uh, on Wednesday night, was our uh, registration night. Uh, pleased to report we're up to about 153 competitors, uh, 53 teams, so, so it's looking great, and hopefully the wind gods will be on our side this weekend. Mate, you seriously rolled the lucky dice, didn't you? If you had a pick last weekend, it would have been pretty unattractive. I think we're going to be pretty right. So just looking at the forecast, it's shaping up to be real good. Touch wood quickly. Yeah, I've touched wood many times. (laughs) So run us through how it runs. It's been a pretty long established comp now. It has. This is our 16th year now, Rob, and basically getting bigger and bigger. So we're finding we're getting well supported there out by the community. This year we've changed the rules a bit and we've got a new part of the competition called our Grand Slam for competitors and teams to go out and try and catch all 15 varieties of the species within the competition. Oh, wow, that is a grand slam. Yeah, and we've put $10,000 up as a prize pool for it this year. So it's a challenge, um, but with the great weather we're hoping to have on the weekend, it might see a few of those boats going after it. And I know, talking to a few of the competitors last night, they're going to have a crack at it. Oh, good on them. Now, what, what would be some of the hardest to tick the box of, do you well, think, in the comp? This time of the year, I think we'll still get our pelagics out there, but we've, we've got that dolphin fish that could be the uh, the nemesis, uh, I reckon. The mahi-mahi. Yes, so I think yeah, you're probably going to have to go out, uh, obviously the Dundees or those sort of areas to go and get them and do your research to get them. And typically about the, the Grand Slam is you're going to have to move around and do different tactics and different styles and fish as a team as well, which we're trying to really emphasise this year, getting away from basically that individual side of the things with the competition to make it a team competition so all the competitors can get together, work out their different tricks and techniques and basically say, right, yeah, we've got that species of that variety now, let's move on, let's get the next one and challenge themselves over the three days of the competition. Uh, you've been doing a bit of a pre-fish, getting match fit. Yeah, I don't know about that. I've been going out Darwin Harbour there and just checking a few of the spots out at Six Mile and Lee Point Wide and just seeing what's around. But uh, um, you know, last night talking to the competitors, a lot of them are keeping uh, things close to their uh, hearts in respect of where they're going and their tactics. But uh, And it's going to be interesting too. On Sunday we have a, a weigh-in where everyone brings back their fish and we'll be able to have a look how well they've done for the weekend. Okay, now that was nicely sort of steered away, but you did say to me you had been going all right. 
So oh, look at now you. it's time for a little bit of data. What's going yeah. all right, man? What yeah. have you been getting? Look, I've been going out to Six Mile a little bit and, and just working it out out there just on the different tides, working out where those fish are. You know, if they're not on the top, they're generally on the bottom and then uh, what sort of techniques to use to get them off the bottom. So, look, I, I like my fly fishing. I also like sort of jigging down as well. And if they're on the top, you know, get the fly out. If they're down the bottom, you know, send down those maybe a bigger soft plastic that gets them off the bottom there and, and use the tide to your advantage. So, uh, and, your, and your sounder and your technology as well. So if you can see them on the bottom, get them there because they'll be there. Once again, you've <laughs> steered away from the facts. What what had you been getting on your oh, recent trip? Yeah, sorry, Rob. Yeah, look, <laughs> been getting some really good queen fish out there. So and they're, they're a point scorer within the competition as well. Um, and your usual pelagics, the uh, obviously the trevally out there. And have been going out to Lee Point and have found a few tuna out there as well from time to time. So uh, and getting them on the fly. So and they're still out there. Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, we've still found them out there uh, jumping around. Yeah, I'm not uh, converted to the the heavenly side as yet the, of the waving the wand. Getting a tuna on fly would be yes. good fun. Talk, what sort of gear are you using for those bigger pelagic fish? Just your, your, your little clousers. So basically get out there at Lee Point, keep it light, keep it tight, and um, yeah, and usually sneak up on them. So um, the tactic is to get in front of them, turn off on if you turn everything off, including your sounder, and just go into stealth mode right. and, uh, and just try and get in the trails out there. So find those tide lines, get in the trail where they're feeding, and just... Hang on tight if you get one. So I'm assuming you're waiting for them to come to you uh, if you're in stealth mode. Absolutely. Yeah, basically just sit there silent. And, uh, and that seems to be a trick where I've, I've noticed people trying to chase them. Um, that'll scare them. If you try and get in front of them and just wait and wait and wait and be patient, you'll usually get a shot at them still. And you're using uh, traditional sort of gear to get to the bottom yeah. when you're talking out at number six. Yeah, yeah. Look, I um, fish both fly and, and obviously... Uh, Swinger. And, yeah, no, exactly. I don't, <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, yeah, so, and, that, and that's what we use. Just use a heavy plastic of some kind. Keep it simple and uh, usually you go all right. So but you've got to find the fish on the sounder first. See what side they're, they're sitting on. You know, if you're out at uh, six mile and you're out that sort of channel rock, see what side those fish are sitting on um, and use the tide to your advantage. Don't anchor anything. Just use the tide. Go up, up tide. Let the tide bring you back down over the rock and get those soft plastics down before you hit the rock and, and generally you'll do all right if you're on the bottom. Okay, so uh, where are you going to be headed? Uh, Given you doing your work at number six, you're staying in town, you're not going further afield? Yeah, I've probably given away where I'm going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, I'll be out there. Um, Try, typically with the Blue Water Classic, um, yeah, use, uh, you're trying to catch those variety of species, so certainly be using Six Mile and Lee Pointers, a couple of points there, Um, and probably fish on the wrecks uh, in the harbour as well. I find them pretty good too, because we've got other fish like coral trout and dewfish uh, in there as well, which you seem to sometimes find on those wrecks in the harbour. So you don't have to go very far to get. And the clue, I think, is in the name, is in uh, Blue Water Classic. There's a yep. lot of blue water out there to spread around. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll have boats going everywhere this weekend, Rob. So the, if the weather's good, they'll be up around the top of the Tiwis there or the bottom of the Tiwis. Um, they'll go out wide of Dundee as well because um, we do have sailfish and marlin as part of our um, Blue Water Classic as well. So that's a separate part of the competition. But we do get a few of the fish shows that go out, uh, yeah, doing a bit of experimenting and trying to catch those as well. Good on you, mate. Well, uh, good luck in the competition. When We look forward to hopefully hearing from a Grand Slam winner. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? It'll be fantastic. That's what we're after. We're really encouraging people to go after it. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Rob. Excellent. Big weekend on the water. The Grand Slam sounds interesting. All uh, Let's just quickly run through the fish. So black dewfish, dolphin, fi- dolphin fish, mahi, mahi. That, that'll be tough. That'll be the stumbling block. Cod, coral trout, cobia, golden snapper, mangrove jack, parrot tusk fish, queenie, red emperor... Uh, salmon, either threadfin or blue. 
uh, Spanish mackerel, trevally, tricky snapper, tuna. Is anyone going to get a Grand Slam? Well, apparently there's quite a few people going for it. Can you imagine the strategic planning? Mm. Did it the, go into try to pulling off one of those Grand Slams? There's also, of course... Uh, food bank. It's a great innovation of this yep. competition that food bank, all the all the fish that gets comes in has to be weighed, but it doesn't go to waste. It doesn't even just go to people's homes. It goes to food bank. Now, Tim, it's been a while. It's been a while in the in the tinny since we've had. You know, I used to call you scoop. You used yeah. to go dick. You used to sniff around, and get all the good oil from the rubbish bins. Those were good times. All the good oil. Yeah, you fi- were sniffing, or you had all the inside info. So listen, listen let's go. Are you ready? It's time! Yes, that's more appropriate as we approach the section of the program known as Fishy News! It's been so long. Take it away, Scoop! What have you got for us? It's been so long since my ears bled as you screamed at me for Fishy News. Firstly, a marine scientist reckons that plans to barge iron ore down the Roper River could destroy the famous river's marine ecosystem. His name's he's a marine ecologist, Jason Fowler, and says the plan is, quite frankly, a ridiculous proposal. Yeah, basic water chemistry, when you put iron into seawater, it rusts. And the rusting process is iron oxide, so that means that it's taking oxygen out of the water. And if there's huge quantities dumped on the seafloor there, well, it's taking oxygen out of the water for a long, long time which is never good for any kind of marine life. You know, you end up creating dead zones in the water. Uh, this would have a massive impact on fishing, barrow fishing, you know, crab fishing out the front there. Um, I can see this, yeah, a big risk involved there. You can find out more about that proposal to barge iron ore down the uh, Roper River via the Country Hour online. A waterfowl season started on Monday, Robert. Kaboom! Following those vocal protests last year, you'd remember when the government cut back bad lim- bag limits in the hunting season. They've increased it slightly this year, up to five geese. That's up from three last year. Uh, but that's still half the norm of previous years. You know, it's floated around seven to ten for a long time. And the season's just 13 weeks this year instead of the, the normal 17. Bart Irwin was there. Of course he was. Of course he was. Uh, from Field and Game at 6am as the sun rose over Harrison Dam on Monday morning. The uh, prediction of 920,000 back in uh, in April, May, when they did the count, has been bolstered with uh, three to 400,000 uh, extra mature-age geese now and are flying around, so there's at least 1.2 million. The figures support at least seven geese, but um, it seems the department don't want to listen, read their own scientific papers, which I have front to back a number of times. Yeah, we've only got 2,500 hunter- hunters here in the Territory. They don't take anywhere near uh, the threshold level of hunter harvest that's uh, allowed. And with seven birds, they still wouldn't. The department and the minister seem to think that um, penalising hunters is wildlife management. We're just being pounded uh, each year. Bart Irwin there. And uh, while we're on the subject, from uh, Dwayne Devaney. Hey, you mad turnouts. When fishing and hunting collide. Got no dog to retrieve my ducks, but I do have a rod. <laughs> He's dragging in a shot duck from the billabong with rod and lure after dropping it. Innovation. That's, that's, well done. Yeah, that's multidisciplinary mm. skill, I'd say there, Timmy. Mm. It's hunting season. Need more than a million bucks to drag we, me away from hunting this morning. <laughs> Full bag of ducks, teal pink ear, whistle ducks and a black duck. Couple of geese to top it off. Get in my belly. Get in my belly? <laughs> now, Get in my belly! <laughs> now, he sent, us a, he sent us a little report here, Timothy, but just uh, have a listen to the ABC News report in the background about some sort of Israeli airstrikes, which is quite fitting 
as he describes the internal organs of his ducks having successfully executed airstrikes of his own above Lamble's Lagoon. Morning. It's uh, time for a bit of dinner. Got the ABC News going on. And uh, done a bit of cleaning. And there's a... Uh, just dinner. Style, some beautiful teal. Got um, some windpipe. Comes up like crackling. Hey, there goes this. Bloody ripper. Two little ducks what? talking up. Hey, got some giblet. Bloody ripper. Hey, hey, look at that. We are yeah, looking, Dwayne. We're looking. We are looking, Dwayne. Looks bloody fantastic. Love it. Hope you remembered the beer this time, Dwayne. Didn't have to flog it off other hunters nearby. Pretty serious one, though, with a 23-year-old British backpacker who was been working on a fishing vessel in the Gulf off Groot Island. The man was a crew member on a trawler working near Groot Island off the Gulf Coast of Arnhem Land. St John Ambulance in Darwin took an emergency call reporting that the man had been bitten and notified the Groot Island Health Clinic and local police yesterday afternoon. They were sent to respond but say the man couldn't be revived and died yesterday afternoon. Experts say some species of sea snake are the most venomous snakes either on land or in the sea. Yes, it's one to be careful of because we see them often even miles offshore. I was out with Zed recently at the rig and there were sea snakes out there. Yeah, and you might recall from a few months ago the fellow who was just fishing as per normal had one wind up his line, bit him on the finger and nearly lost it through amputation. Mm. There have been a lot of rescues over the last few days too, another dramatic one. Beacon activation at Drayton's Reef, which is about 10 kilometres east of Cape Hotham. Uh, EPIRB was registered to an 11 metre uh, Clark Cossack cruiser. Uh, it was registered as having three people on board. It had left Darwin Saturday night to head to Gove, but uh, weather conditions deteriorated overnight and uh, by the morning they were battling three to four metre waves. Uh, with waves crashing over the back deck. Uh, they were attempting unsuccessfully to bail the water. Uh, built pump couldn't cope, and they set off their EPIRB and made the decision to abandon the sinking boat. Careflight sent one of their helicopters with a winching capability, and at 10.34, Careflight advised they'd located one person in the water holding a flare and confirmed that the vessel had sunk. And just after 11am, they advised all three people had been located and had been winched aboard the Careflight helicopter. All three apparently in good health, but I understand they were taken to RDH for a quick assessment. Just a good example of people having the right equipment. They had an EPIRB, they had appropriate safety gear, all wearing their life jackets, and great work yet again by Careflight. It is a bloody good example. A very timely reminder. Yeah, they stayed calm, they had all their stuff. Uh, another one too, over the weekend, 17-year-old boy airlifted to Darwin after being bitten by a shark off Groot. I reckon mm. it was a bull shark, had wounds around the knee. Okay, I think, though. Uh, the government's trying to get a better handle on the scale of wreck fishing in the Territory, which they haven't done since 2010, if you remember. It was the last big one they did. Now, they've started with telephone surveys asking fishers to fill out a diary for 12 months, and uh, this week they've started at boat ramps. Now, I think the main point here is not to get towy. It's about funding, yeah. the amount of people on the water fishing, to get money for boat ramps, etc., yeah. yeah. etc. Et so it's probably in your best interest to actually take the time and uh, tell the fisheries blokes what's been going on. Every few years we have a large recreational fishing survey and this is our opportunity to uh, really take stock of um, the numbers, the numbers of people going fishing, the kinds of fish that they're catching and the quantities. Uh, and it's really important that we validate that with the boat ramp surveys to get more information. It's also how we find out what recreational fishing is worth. 
David Chirovolo from Affan. So if they wander up with a clipboard and start asking you how many fish you caught and where, they're not trying to flog your marks. Tell them. Don't tell them where to go. Yeah. Palmerston Alderman Damien Hale's dream must be noted here, Rob. I don't know if you heard during the week. A boundless possible dream. Not true. Yeah. Out the back of Palmerston near the Elizabeth River Bridge, he wants to can the idea of turning it into another residential suburb of Mitchell and instead flood the lot. True. They just flood it. Make a hundred hectare lake for jet skis and skiing and fishing. You know, somewhere where we can have water skiing and uh, jet skiing and those sort of water sports, canoeing, fishing. Probably a major piece of infrastructure. Drew it a rough sketch um, to the contours, left some islands in it, left um, a little bit of a, an area there where there could be a commercial opportunity uh, on one side of the lake. And, it's, and that's where it came out at around about um, you know, 100 hectares. See, fantastic, isn't it? Just did a little sketch. Hmm. Daring to dream. I bet you did it over a frothy. The boundless possible, like a sketch of a hundred hectare lake and flooding a suburb, (laughs) is only possible after a frothy and a waffle. There remains a place in this world with just enough silence for your waffle to be heard. A land of determination and ambition. Where we get things done. We don't just dream of having a frothy. We bloody well do it. The earnest and the abstinent never came this far. Instead, it's home to people like us. Those inspired by the beauty and capacity of a well-packed esky and the silken tapestry of a skillfully crafted stream of conversational crap. In the Territory, being thirsty is nothing new. It's what we are. As we dive a hand into the icy depths Retrieve our prize and prepare to take part in the meandering ebb and flow of slightly pissy discourse. It is then, my friends, that together we create Frothy Waffle. Yeah, g'day, I'm Paul from Darwin. You sent me an SOS earlier in the week letting me know that something was grinding your gears on the water. I've had a few issues running my crab pots recently. Those issues being having crab pots put directly on top of my crab pots or people anchoring on top of my crab pots. For the folks out there who aren't aware of on-water and boat etiquette, tell us what's wrong with that. Big bloody ocean out there. Plenty of places you can anchor or put a pot rather than putting it metre away from somewhere else. When someone's that close to your crab pot and you're coming to retrieve it, what does that mean for you? Generally means you're going to get their rope all through your motor or you've got to move their pot, which is, yeah, you're not meant to do. A little bit rude. Bordering stupidity, I'd say. Come back to check my pots, I found a bloke anchored on top of my pot. I sort of, being by myself, I didn't want to approach them, so I, I waited at the end of the creek to watch them. They fished there for half an hour and then as they left, my float was literally touching their boat it just got caught up through their motor and they ended up dragging it down the creek. Not very cool really. 
No, again, bordering stupidity. So I hope they got a donut. All right, so tell us the correct way to fish around crab pots. Generally, you give them a wide berth. You'd look for the next feeder creek to drop your pot. Um, there's literally plenty of places you can drop a pot and obviously you wouldn't anchor on top of someone's pot. That's just courtesy. So be aware of uh, the floats that, which are out there and which have to be out there on the water and... Stay the fuck away from them. Pick up your game. Any other um, on-water etiquette that's grinding your gears, Paul? Unhook your bloody boat at the top of the ramp. No one wants to wait for you to unhook it at the bottom of the ramp. And if it's the first time launching the boat or reversing a trailer, try somewhere not so busy. And not on a Saturday morning. Exactly right, yeah, maybe Sunday, Arbo. Yeah, Tuesday's good, yeah. That can be numpty day. Tuesdays are now officially numpty day. If you're on your L plates and you're back at a trailer down the boat ramp, Tuesday is your day. That's it, we'll let you have the place to yourself. You can anchor on your own crab bots, we don't care. It's just about fish etiquette. Lift your game, guys, come on. That was not Paul, was it? I don't think so. Unless you did a crafty thing, Paul, like your real name is Paul, and then said, look, just for the sake of this, call me Paul. Hey, double bluff, I think they call that in the espionage game. Man, if you, that was genius if that's what you did for <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. The world really has gone crazy, hasn't it, bitches? OHS, gone mad. Political correctness, out of control. But occupying pole position in the Grand Prix of what particularly pisses us off, the societal plague imported direct from the US of bloody A litigiousness. People's willingness to go to court over the most trivial of perceived transgressions. We in the tinny have railed long, hard and valiantly against this cancerous carbuncle on the carapace of common sense. But it seems our travails have been to no avails. So, in the spirit of, if you can't beat them, join them, and in a violent U-turn flip-flop worthy of a federal politician, TFT Enterprises have rushed with unseemly haste to establish... Order! Order! TFT Chambers. Attack dogs at law. Litigation, fishos. It's not so bad after all, you know. You come across some mongrel raiding your crab pots. Don't go the biff, go for your barrister. Someone crosses your troll line and you lose a trophy fish. Don't swear and scream, ring the TFT legal team. Your deckie stands you up at the last minute so you have to bear the whole cost of petrol. Plus you made lunch, don't spew. Sue! Sue! Sue their ass off! Don't get mad, don't get even. Get everything. TFT Chambers. We have assembled a crack stable of slavering courtroom attack dogs, totally devoid of scruples, compassion, a sense of fair play, or any other human emotion, actually. These jackals of jurisprudence will tear your transgressor apart and take them to the cleaners. You'll be surprised at just how many petty personal grievances you can muster when you put your mind to it. TFT Chambers. Call 1300 Mullet now to engage your brief. That number again, 1300 Mullet. It's just another sensational service brought to you by the fine folk at Tales from the Tinny Enterprises. G'day, I'm Bruce from Palmerston. My uh, trusty decky, Travis, had some mates come up with a bucket list to uh, try and catch and release their first billfish. Tuesday we headed out. We did get the target species in the end, but it was one of the strangest days on the water that um, I've, I've probably had since I've been fishing off Dundee. 
Why was it so unusual? Well, the weather wasn't what it said it was, so it was a bit breezier than we thought. That was fine. We went on the search for some bait. We went from the new fad, and we just could not get away from the mackerel and the, and the tuna. We usually find that they're a lot closer in and the shallower around the witch's nose area and once we push a bit wider we can have baits out all day and we won't have any hassles at all we just could not get away from them we lost three or four lures we had tuna hitting baits being dropped at the side of the boat to put back in the spread again all day i had them following me on the sounder i could see them mid-water coming up we just could not get away from them did that affect the sail fishing? I think what probably made it hardest for us was the fact that it was overcast all day. So it was really hard to see what was in the spread. I love bill fishing because it's very visual. When you've got a clear, bright day, you're skipping baits on the surface, you can very clearly see a fish in any of the positions of the, of the spread. And being overcast, we couldn't see that. So we were just looking out, you'd see a flash, and you couldn't tell if it was a, a tuna or a mackerel or a sailfish, we, you know, we could have had more sailfish in the spread, but we could only really account for what we saw. But you know, we knew it was a mackerel, and we come in and we get half a garfish left, um, stipped off cleanly. What do you think has encouraged these fish to hang around? I couldn't tell you. We weren't showing bait on the sounder in our, in our usual marks. We've had previous encounters with sailfish and marlin. It was just a really strange day. We certainly re-rigged plenty of baits all day, trying to eventually find some of these billfish. And how did you go? What were the stats on the billfish for that trip? It was reasonably quiet. We'd like better considering some of the news, but we, were, um, we raised two, hooked one and tagged one sailfish, and that was to uh, George, one of the visitors. It came in about 18 kilo, uh, 170 centimetre short length, and we had a micro black marlin. and it would have been all of about three or four kilo. Take a bait in the afternoon, very brief hook up, so we would say that was one one zero. For whatever reason, Dundee seems to, either through currents or there's a breeding ground, we're not too sure, research one day might be able to tell us, but they're just really juvenile, small black marlin. Most people, when they talk of juvenile black marlin, talk from 10 kilo to 30 kilo, which is very average around inshore waters of um, most of northern Australia, but for some reason, Dundee can turn on these fish that are sub-10 kilos, um, even as small as, yeah, 2 to 3 kilo. It's rare to find those ones that are sort of in the, the 15 to 30, maybe up to 50 kilo. For whatever reason, Dundee either gives you the midgets or you get the big mummers at um, the 150 to 200 kilo models. Speaking of the big mummers, are there many out there? The reports seem to be that there have been a few sighted, not in very deep water. We're talking uh, 22 to 25 metres of water in all the traditional grounds that people have been fishing around the witch's nose there in Bower Shoal. And these you know, big black mummers are coming in the spread and certainly putting on a show for a few of the boats out there. For the last few months, I've noticed a lot of fishers are turning into bill fishermen. It seems to be gaining popularity in, in the top end. Yeah, the secret's out, possibly, I guess, Lisa. It's a great day. If you've got a very you know, calm day, good music, good tunes, you're always moving. And they're a very spectacular fish to catch. It's all very visual. And we've got you know, a great community of people that are willing to, uh, to lend their tips and their hints. We've got some great competitions out there now. And um, yeah, I urge everyone, if they want to get a go, get out there and, and have a crack. The billfish is coming up in a couple of weeks, and, and what's there to look forward to? Well, number one's the decision of which way to go. Um, it's always that great time of year where um, the weather's generally really good, and so a lot of teams will again will be contemplating packing the boat, loading lots of fuel up, and heading towards uh, the western side of Bathurst Island. 
It's a great place to fish through the trench there and up around Mesquite Shoal. We're hoping for 20 teams or more. We'll take as many as we can get. We're hoping that this run of fish at Dundee does stay on because it does then allow those in the smaller craft who don't have that capacity, they can launch every day from Dundee, get out there, it's a 45-minute run, fish all day, come back in, and at least they know that they're, they're safe on dry land and they're in with a real shot. The, um, the comp was won there last year, so um, it's, it's going to be, a, it'll be, I think, be quite a few boats down there this year. Who are your top contenders going into this year's Billfish Classic? I think that's the beauty of bill fishing, Lisa, is that you just don't know what it's going to be like. There's not a lot of info out of out of Bathurst Island at the moment, so we're not sure what the fishing is going to be like up there. But there's always the perennial, uh, the favourites out there, the the Meg Two crew, Obi One crew. You'll have the Sea Fox boys, no doubt, come back and try and defend their crown from last year. But look, it's anyone's race. You find a pot of sailfish, or you get some good fish early in the week, and you know if you convert well, I think that's the key. We had a lot of lost fish last year. If you can keep stuck to those fish, convert them, you'll be in with a shot to win for sure. Sounds like you've got a good tournament ahead of you, Bruce. We look forward to hearing how it all turns out. Thank you very much. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them all up, <laughs> So as we've been discussing, 15 grand for the Church of the Tinny, pretty much a gift. Fantastic gift. A gift from us to you and to three NT charities, the Cancer Council, Starlight Ball and Matt Hayden's uh, Indigenous Rager Program. Don't know whose idea this gift was, but it's a bloody nice gift. It was a bloody nice gift and a bloody nice idea. Yeah, three, three five grand charity fish. We're going to tag and release them and then tell you where to catch them. But, of course, not being able to trust each other with the location, particularly C- not being able to trust I you. I certainly wouldn't be trusting you. With the location. With we the location. To... I would not be trusting you with the location. <laughs> I think we've decided that. We're both unreliable. Would you trust me? No way. Uh, there's no way I'd trust you. Yeah, yeah. We've been forced to outsource it to honourable members of the fishing <laughs> congregation. And we nominated this bloke who Tim got busy chasing down like an attack dog. the airport to seal the deal. Well, I found him in the back box of Darwin Airport in a dark and dingy car park, having flown back in from the AFL Grand Final to hand over some serious cash. It's a million-dollar fish charity tag worth $5,000. Mal Roney, do you choose to accept this mission? I do. The mission is as follows. You take that $5,000, you jam it in a barramundi, then you keep your mouth shut. Can you keep your mouth shut? I hope so. We elected last week on the tinny that a man who's been ejected forcibly from the Catherine races after crash-tackling his mates, spewing in a friend's car and doing a runner, was an honourable enough performance that we think we can trust a man like that. I'll take great pleasure in putting this in a fish with all the stick that I uh, copped, thanks to Warren and his blabbermouth. So Was it true? Fake news, I reckon. Made up? Yeah, he just made it all up. Hey, how was the grand final, by the way? Yeah, unbelievable. Really, really good. Uh, I don't go for either of them, but the atmosphere was awesome. So to watch the uh, ups and downs of the West Coast and the Collingwood supporters was, yeah, it's another, you've got to be there to see it. So, yeah, it's another thing altogether. Bit of a celebrity flight down there too. Yeah, we had a few. We had uh, Tony Abbott on the flight. We had uh, the Bachelor, the Honey Badger. Just been uh, come back through Darwin. Been on a fishing trip over in WA, so... A few chats to him, he was pretty tired, so he was copping a fair bit from the hosties. 
But yeah. um, not any from you. You weren't nah, crash tackling him or Tony nah, nah, Adler or anyone. Else? He's a bit big for me, so I thought I'd, I thought I'd leave him alone. So, mate, can you give us a couple of clues? What's the plan? When are you fishing next? And when can you jam this five thousand dollar charity tag in? So this tag it will go in over this weekend. I'll be at the Alua Women's Women's Fishing Classic. It's the inaugural um, Alua Classic out at Timber Creek. So that starts Friday, so I've got to be there for that. So um, I might throw a line in Friday and hopefully jag a fish. You're going to do it solo? I mean, are you the only man we can trust? Nah, or we, we had mentioned Harry Renfrey might I'll, might be of equal standing, but that's up to you. Yeah, no, well, Harry will have to be there because we're going in his boat, so he's definitely going to be there. Can we trust him? I reckon we can. All right, the deal is, mate, it's got to be legal. You've got to take a photo of it on a brag mat showing its size. Keep a GPS mark for us. We know it's going to be somewhere on the Vic, but we might release more details if no one catches it in a hurry, eh? Righto, we can do that. How's the Vic fishing? Pretty good. Yeah, people have been cleaning up down there, so this weekend's um, hand-picked tides for the Women's Fishing Classic, so um, hopefully all goes well. I think they've got 14 teams so, yeah, there should be some fish caught. Are you willing to cop the heat that's going to ensue here from cattlemen across Catherine, from friends and family, from truck drivers, from business owners, from other fishers, and worst of all, from the DeWitt family, who will all be hassling the hell out of you to, to tell them where you released it? Mate, I've, uh, I can send them on a bum steer, quick smart, so, especially Warren. He'll only go out there and try and catch it himself, so we'll tell him nothing. Good man. Have a good trip. Right, mate. Cheers. So that's one tinny charity tagged fish sorted. Yeah, going to what he, I mean, he sounds like a pretty trustworthy boat, Mel. Mm, despite his reputation around. Mm. No, I trust him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I trust him. And yeah. Harry. And of course, don't forget to avail yourself of the TFT PPA brought to you by the TFT Attack Dogs at Law. <laughs> Before you go out again, it's available for download via Facehake at abc.net.au slash tinny or at tackle shops around the joint. We're hoping. Packy Andy can be one of the other honourable members of the team. He's quite honourable. At who, times. Who can tag a charity 5K fish mm. for us. He's still at the US at the moment, though. Um, last week, he filed in a report, if you didn't catch the podcast last week, of his glory capture, which was a 115-pound tarpon. Stonken. Oh, pound for pound, not a bad fish. Pound for pound. Uh, but that... I've since discovered is what he chose to share with us, ah, Robert. Bit of a selective uh, yeah. info sharing. Wasn't yeah, it? he's been filming over there with Rob Paxavanis, and only uh, after a few moments searching, I found some of the details he chose not to share. Ah. The film crew. That's why they call you Scoop. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, the film crew's nominated him for the Russell Coit Award ah. for the trip. Uh, so remember, Andy, after the pride cometh the fall, my friend. The eyes and the ears of the tinny are everywhere, and if anyone should know that, you should. It all started off when I hooked a mullet on a lure, which I've never done before. Never seen it. Tell people you can't do it, but obviously Andy figured out a way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to take a photo of my rod and reel, about a thousand bucks worth, just sitting on the gunnel. Prize possession, casually just kicked it off and watched it go down into the, the water. I wasn't sure whether to stop the filming or not. In the end, I've got no, I've got to stop it. Rob, 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 my rod, my rod. Let's just go and get some trout on the way home. I thought maybe one or two, but we're up to about number 30 at the moment. Have a look at this. This is how easy it is. So that didn't get one, Ben. It's all right, though. 
<laughs> yeah. Have a look at how easy that's, it is. That's all right for Russell Coit, Andy. Uh, you got to be proud of catching the mullet, though. No arguments at this end of the globe over that one, Andy. That is a terrific catch. Pound for pound, one of the planet's most worthy catches. Hail mullet. Frothies on ice. The shout is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst fish, and blessed is the fruit of thy holy union with squid, the sainted sausage roll. Holy mullet, mother of all bait, pray for us sinners now and on the day of our next inevitable donut. Amen. G'day, Tinny boys. Uh, Mark here, filing a report from the uh, last Tebs rounds in the harbour. Get up Saturday morning, pick up the old uh, French correspondent known as uh, Reggie. Launched Diner Beach and after a short little trip into a little creek, uh, we decided to fish the incoming. To the first troll, old Reggie hooks up and they're thinking, beauty, this is great. And about two seconds later, drops the bugger and we thought, well, this this can either go two ways, be a really good omen for the weekend, or we'll get bloody nothing. Anyway, turns out that for quite a long time we got nothing after that. Getting snagged and pulling up, we've got to snag out the front, snag out the back and get the Oh, well, Reggie, we're out of here. Reggie loses his uh, lure out the front, so don't worry, mate, we'll come back an hour or so later, we'll pick it up. Anyway, as it turns out, we go back to the spot about an hour later, pick up the lure, it's hanging out of the water. We're getting it off, and next thing we're hearing this boofing, boofing all around. We're thinking, bloody hell, beauty. So, you know, we're pretty excited. A bit like fat kids in a chocolate shop. Change of a few lures onto a few small plastics, and then boof, old uh, Reggie hooks up, and we're into it. Healthy 67-seater chromie. Puts him in, and we notice this uh, thing hanging out of his back. Turns out that he's got a tag. Old Reggie was pretty excited. Never, never nailed a uh, tag fish before. Thing had been on there for a while because it was all covered in greeny moss, and we're thinking, geez, hopefully we haven't bloody nailed a uh, MDF fish in a couple of days early. Discovered that it was just a fisheries tag. I was pretty keen to catch a fish because coming off a donut from the last bloody round, I didn't want to come in with another scoreless round. And old Reggie was nailing a couple of small rats and you know a couple of Trevors and things all on the same bloody plastic. And as much as I don't like doing it, I didn't have any, so I asked him, Reggie, you know, you got a spare, can I have one? Just squeeze one out of his tackle box, hooked up, bang, on. Turns out just to be a bloody archerfish. So I thought, oh, well, bugger it, we better start making our way back, put him in a Beach so we'd have to get back and turn the corner to get around Channel Point, was smacking us up the side, and we went through every bloody cycle of the wash, mate, except for the gentle rinse. Uh, it was very, very ordinary. I didn't really want to go home, with a wet ass and no fish again, sat up near a little creek, got onto another one, and uh, right next to the boat, big wolf, bang, off she went, and I'm negating around the old bloody anchor rope, exactly the same, he was the twin, 67 centimetres, I was pretty stoked to get him in, a day and a half of hard fishing. So pretty hard going in the harbour on the weekend, the wind certainly didn't help us out, but anyway, we both managed a couple of scoring fish, so happy.
Uh, looking forward to the last round up in the Adelaide. Good on you boys, get a mullet up ya. Now, one thing you can almost always rely on when you send us a report on the magnificent Tinny Field recording app that you can have too if you uh, email us at fishing at abc.net.au is that we're going to love you. We're going to polish that turd up to make you sound like some sort of broadcasting god. That is true. Although, Mark, in this case, we had to make one very slight exception. Now, you might have noticed in there, Fishos, that Mark referred to a 67-seater chromie. Yeah, I did hear that. Now, I think that is such a massive barra, and we couldn't quite believe it. So that had had to stay in. That had to stay in, That little bit. yeah. Now, preferred measure of fish size, we often, you know, if maybe you say pounds or centimetres, we're not sure about seaters. We're not sure oh, about Oh, I like se- it. No, is no. that like a mini, there's that's yeah. a mini bus. No, no, yeah, yeah. I got a, uh, how big was it? It's about a 28 t- seater. Yeah, that's, that's not even a mini bus. It was a 28 seater. No, or, or if you just get a rat, you just go, oh, yeah, it's about a five seater. 67 <laughs> seater uh, chromie is like a uh, twin turbo prop, sort of mid size jet. Oh, you're thinking buses, I'm thinking planes. I don't mind it as a measure. Oh, see, 67 there, yeah. seater. Mm. When we sent him the link to that app too, by the way, uh, to put on his phone, he mentioned he nearly lost his phone during the week after dropping it into a crock tank oh. at the Karama School. Oh, right. He'd been asked by the boss to retrieve a lost object out of the tank, but then never told us what that object was, which I thought was. Do you think was, it may have I been? I don't know. May have been the Chiquito, the suspect, the Bondi cigar. <laughs> What, like a, a kid has done a turd in the croc tank and he's had to get it out? Or a drunk bloke. A drunk te- those teachers, mate. He what they get up to after. Oh, God, man, now you're besmirching the good name of the Territory's Education System. <laughs> the phone was on top of what he thought was a glass-covered bit. He wanted to go hands-free to gather. Here, he said it again. Obje- <laughs> the object in inverted commas. And the ferocious little 30-centimetre beast, known as ice cream, uh, was resting up there. Anyway, look, he got the phone. He didn't get nailed. And he also retrieved the object. We've actually had hooks ripped clear off the back of a lure. Bang, she jumped out of water straight up. Yep. A liar. Tales from the Tinny. Good morning, I'm Shorty from Complete Angler. I'm hearing that the fishing's still a bit slow size wise. I don't know if that's um, everyone being a little bit coy and quiet on, but I'm hearing plenty of people are sighting them, but not actually catching too many of them I had a couple of guys in and got a few good ones on live bait the other day but personally we're getting enough numbers just no size the ones that you heard the fellas uh, were catching some what areas are these they were just telling me it was in the river they're not weren't particular <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you they're not not many people are too forthcoming about where they're getting them I think everyone's the same I think they're seeing them sit there they think they know they're there and they want to keep it from everyone else but probably most of the coastal creeks and what I would imagine that most of the places are out around the mouths. So Shorty, you're a very experienced and wily old coyote on the waterways, so you've had plenty of top-end fishing experience. If these big fish are starting to get sighted in the waterways, does that mean they're hanging there and not biting? Uh, Are they waiting for something? Yeah, they're waiting for something. I don't know what, Lisa, if we knew that. (laughs) Even the real gurus can't tell us that, but I know it's nice to be there when they do fire up, and they will. My guess is water temperature has something to do with it, though you'd think by now it's got hot enough to do that. I reckon you'll find in the next couple of weeks that people start getting some pretty decent reports of 
of Bear Bear around the coast, and we've seen them stacked up down Adelaide there in some of the creeks there and around the, the front of the creeks. They're there, but every barrow we're pulling out's like undersized, so I don't know what's going on, but somewhere along the line we'll keep going back until they bite. Yeah, I pulled into Complete Angler this morning. Shorty looks like a man who is well-rested, but he tells me he's been on a bit of a mission over the weekend. Oh, not really fishing where it was. It was just um, a long, long weekend in, down in Geelong. Uh, so recovery's been a bit slow when you're at my age. A few froffies? Just a few. I saw the sun come up, which has been a long time since I've bothered doing that. <laughs> but looking at you this morning, you would not even pick that you've been on a four, three or four day bender. Oh, I've been back a couple of days, Lisa. Got time to recover. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to hit for the build-up? Mate, Phil and I, we do a fair bit down the mouth of Adelaide, down the Wiltshires and down Saltwater Arm. We usually run down from the bridge, fish those probably every fortnight so we'll continue to do that for a while we want to go and have a go at the south Uh, that seems to be a pretty popular joint in the last little while i still haven't heard any reports from down there but we'll go and give it a look but mainly the adelaide i'm really not as dedicated to the big barrow i just like going out as long as you're on the water that's important if i get a few smaller barrow i'm okay with that i don't have to get a meter fish every time i go out be bigger than you then wouldn't it shorty yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) they're hard to hold when they're that big yeah no i have to get help when they're over about 80 centimeters (laughs) all right million dollar fish has started yes i'm interested in it i think it's been good for the territory creates a lot of banter in the boat about what you're going to do with the money if you get it and how you're going to share it some are less willing to share the money than (laughs) others but you might want to get that discussed before you start not after you've caught the fish yeah, and that brings me to our uh, piscatorial prenuptial agreement, which I've dropped into the store this morning. Have you signed yours? No, I'm skipping the boat, so I'll make my own rules. Well, they're there for you when the punters hand them out. Encourage your punters to sign them. We don't want any lifelong friendships to be busted up over a 10 grand or a million dollar fish. No, we don't, Lisa, and I reckon that somewhere along the line that's going to eventuate, so get it sorted. And money does come to play, when, especially if it's a large amount, so... Sort it out, fellas and girls. Tales from the Tinny. Now, we've said it once, we've said it a number of times, but for the peace, harmony, collegiality, lack of punch-ups between your mates, fishers, avail yourself of the good services of the TFT Chambers Attack Dogs at Law finest product, the TFT PPA, the Priscatorial Prenuptial Agreement. They are available at all good tackle stores in Darwin. And hopefully Warren's down there at Catherine too. If not, ask him why not, and we'll put some in the post. Also available for download at ABC Tales from the Tinny online, or you can print it via the Tinny Faceache. You can email us, of course, and we'll send one back to you. You can do all sorts of things, and we will get it sorted because you need it. Under your gunnels. You need to get one of these fair up your gunnels, Fisher. Oh. You need to sign it before you start targeting that million dollar yeah, yeah, fish. Yeah. No, hands down. Take three pens. Uh, Fishos, the other one you might have heard about during the week, which we really need to mention, is the talk of this new big fishing comp, mm. NT750, which is planned for next year. Lots of scepticism. Oh, heaps, man. Um, it, and not surprisingly, to be honest, I mean, they, they're boasting 1,500 teams they want to get up here. On Darwin Harbour, and that's not just from around Australia, it's from around Is the world. Is it really? That's not a Pro- typo? 1,500 teams. I'm pretty sure that's what they reckon. A nine-day round robin they want to do. It's a knockout, pitting pro and amateur Australian anglers against the best anglers from around the world. First prize, I mean, obviously this is why it's getting attention, is three quarters of a million bucks. Mm. 
and a couple of about two hundred thousand in run-ups. Entries twenty six hundred dollars per team. But as you mentioned, lots of fishers asking questions. Who are DX Industries, the company who are running it? Are they locals? Have they ever run fishing competitions before? Regardless of what the plan is, it's a pretty good idea in the Territory to get the locals involved if you're going to plan to launch a three-quarter of a million dollar pro barra tournament on Darwin Harbour. DX Industries Managing Director Jeremy Dixon says, Unfortunately, there's been a lot of scepticism among people because we haven't been in the media yet. We haven't pushed hard on any communication or marketing. The tournament was leaked through North America. Those septics, mate, they leaped like a tank. I I trust them less than you, Tim, Mm. with the secret of a 5K bloody charity tag. And it's made its way to Australia. So far, there is entries from 10 countries around the world, so they've got entries. Yeah, so it's totally up to you, Fishos. Uh, do your homework, have a look at it, read what other people are saying, read what these guys are saying, make your own decision if you uh, want to enter. David Chirovolo from Affent was asked about it during the week. From the media releases that have come out, uh, it looks interesting. I uh, would like to see uh, some more detail. It, it does seem a little unusual that something of such a large scale um, doesn't really have much local involvement. The other thing that I think uh, we'd need to, of course, take a look at is just to make sure that um, the kinds of things that they're proposing are the kinds of things that, that gel and fit with our fishery. Red, fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. How you going? I'm Simon Boko. I've been trying to track you down for a yarn for a number of months, but you haven't been fishing. What's going on? I've been working too much. I haven't had many days off and, um, yeah, working big days, which is um, it's good for the bank account, but, uh, yeah, not good for my fishing account, unfortunately. All work and no play makes Simon a very, very grumpy boy. It does. makes me very grumpy and very bored. Tebs on the weekend, Simon. It was hard work. Um, the windy conditions made it pretty hard to find some clean water and find some fish. But once we did find them, our bite windows were only very short. Once we got them, we, yeah, we made the most of them and got some really nice fish. So it was good. Our wind was there all day and most of the night. We tried to fish at night as well, but it just blew even harder during the night. When the fish were on, yeah, it was a fish every five, ten minutes and then they just shut down for the rest of the day. So we only got about an hour at them each day. Flicking, trolling, and what we're using? Uh, we're all casting. It's always casting up on the flats and that sort of stuff. Our lure choice was in the Pearl, soft plastic lure, and they've been working for us for, for the last couple of years on the flats and that. They're just nice and small. They've got a perfect action. They catch the small fish and as, as well as, as the bigger fish as well. And, yeah, it's been working really well for us. What kind of sizes are we talking about? we got probably two fish undersized but they were sort of 49 and and the rest of them were sort of 60 and above i think we got two fish under under 60 the rest of them were 60 up to 72 was our biggest they all look really good all nice and fat nice and clean and um yeah in good condition so they've been up and feeding a lot which is really really good to see it's looking good for the build-up and the million dollar fish comp yeah hopefully we can get back out there and keep doing it is there one more round left of tebs yeah, last round's the Adelaide River round, to so the mouth of the Adelaide River, Saltwater Arm and Leaders Creek. So it's always an interesting comp. There's always a chance of some big fish and some good results in that one.
Do you predict that the big girls are going to start coming in soon? They should do, yeah. Now that the build-up started, you've got October, you've got the hot conditions now, the big fish should start. I've um, already been hearing of some really good fish getting caught in some areas. So, yeah, hopefully it continues. Are these areas uh, river systems or coastal? Uh, both. All, all, the areas are, <laughs> all the areas are starting to fire up now. So your billabongs, your rivers, your coastal areas, everything will start to fire now and it should be a really good season. Where are you going to hit for the build-up when you get your next chance to have a fish? Um, I don't know yet. <laughs> Just, yeah, I might try and keep a little bit quiet, but a lot of people know where I fish a lot of the time. But, um, yeah, I'm going to try and mix it up this year and try and do some different trips. Hopefully I can do that. Sounds good, Simon. Thank you very much for meeting me at the pub <laughs> for a drink. That's the way to do the end of the workday right. That's right. That's good. That feels pretty good. Thanks for the chat, mate. No worries. Thank you. 56 scoring fish. They're the ones above 50. But more than that often get caught. You know, they're just the best ones that the fishos elect to to nominate. Probably the final word for the tinny for this week needs to go to Packy Andy. Does Does it really? I think so. I think so. Hasn't he had enough words? He has had enough cracks over the last couple of weeks. Although I really did enjoy him catching that. Not, I like Mullet not dropping catching. his rod. Uh, yeah. yeah, He's still in Boca Grande, Florida. Yeah, g'day. This is Packy Andy uh, in Florida. We've just come across a massive school of mullet. So I thought I'd better just report back to the, the tinny church. And I've actually just caught one on a lure. They're, they're a great fighting fish. And not bad on the table either. You can hear the noise just behind us. That's the sound of mullet. That's oh, oh, Rob Paxavanas okay. from Fishing Australia. Do you get excited about the mullet too, Rob? I, I'm excited that no one in the history of Boca Grande, like the sports fishing capital of the world, has ever caught a mullet on lure. And Packy Andy here came and did it. And we didn't know what it was for five minutes. Uh, he's got a mullet. You've, right. co- you've covered yourself in glory. That's we, the hardest thing to do here. We have. It's hard. It's hard. So, yeah, to the church, the tinny back home in Australia, praise be the mullet. <laughs> I suppose that's a worthy last. Word. <laughs> he he actually recorded, he recorded himself he catching the mullet. mullet on the lure. Yeah, his heart's in the right place. He's always connected to the Church of the Tinny back home in the Territory. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it for the Tinny for this week. Thanks to Mal Rooney, Jeff Watson, uh, Rowan Shorty Short, uh, Dave Gregory, aka of course Bikini Dave, Dan Fitzgerald, and Bart Irwin banging away at the geese. Also to Dwayne Devaney banging away at the duck, Simon Bockow, David Chirovolo. This has been Tales from the Tinny. There's loot to be made out on the waters of the Northern Territory Fishers. There's a fortune to be made. Get yourself lawyered up. TFT Chambers Attack Dogs in Law Piscatory Prenuptial Agreement. See you next week. Get them all up, yep. Tales from the Tinny.